0: Are you uncomfortable yet? <laughs> Isn't this something weird whenever somebody's not on stage for 20 seconds? <laughs> right? All of a sudden people start looking around at the AV booth or like, oh, they missed the cue for the video or there's something awkward going on. I don't really know what it is. Some of you, let's be honest, y'all turn around and you're like, I'm tempted to go start the video myself, right? (laughs) There is no video that was on purpose, okay? That's 20 seconds. 20 seconds. And all of a sudden, you started looking around the room going, "Uh uh-oh, right? What's going on? What's happening? We've got to do something. I'm that guy, um, when something bad happens, I start running around the room just like crazy, right? Um, Not kidding, this one time in church, we had a church emergency, and I was like, I gotta go do something. So I just ran and found a blanket and like brought it to the situation. Why? I don't know. There was no need for a blanket, but I brought it, right? Um, That's me. I'm like, I am extremely uncomfortable in this situation, and I need to fix it. Anybody else feel me? Like when you get in that place of uncomfort, you're like, I need to fix this now and 20 seconds, and you're ready to make a a bad decision, right, to go up and change something in the booth. Y'all don't know what they do up there. They do a really good job up there. Don't try to go up on the AV booth. My hope is that the people who are checking us out online, thank you so much for sticking with us for the last 20 seconds, because if you're anything like me, as soon as there's a stop in a program on a TV, I'm like, well, next channel, here we go, right? Like, every time there's an uncomfortable moment, we want things to immediately go back to comfort. Why? Because if we're honest, our comfort is our purpose. Our comfort is our purpose in life. Think about it. When's the last time you made a bad decision? Why'd you do it? Well, I went to that party, and I hung out with those people, and I made bad decisions. Why? Because you didn't want to be the only one sitting at home. I passed my wife in the house, even though I know we're having an argument, I know we should be talking, but that's going to be a real uncomfortable conversation. Why'd I do it? Because I value my own comfort over my marriage. It's not what you're thinking consciously, but your actions show that. Am I right? Your comfort is what keeps you in the place that you're, all, that you're at. So many of you, we just took a lot of time baptizing you, right? You're in this place of God just stepped in, and He needs me to change everything. And your biggest obstacle to that change is going to be your own comfort. You've been talking about why all weekend, students. What is why? It's your purpose. This is the reason that you were made. You were made to follow Jesus. You were made to trust in Jesus. But in doing that, he's given you a new purpose outside of your comfort. And there will come a day Maybe it's as soon as you walk out these doors. Maybe it's tonight when you get home. Maybe it's next week when your friends try to convince you to do something you know you shouldn't do. There is going to come a day where your calling is going to come up against your comfort. What are you going to do? So, um, if I'm honest, we justify a lot of our bad decisions Based on our own comfort, right? We justify and we say, "Well, I, I felt uncomfortable, so I, I had to do this thing." And you go to this place, and you didn't mean to. You didn't mean to go all the way to that place and make those bad decisions. But it happened because you were like, "Well, I want to be comfortable, right? Like, I want to like, I want to feel like I fit in, or I, I want to make decisions um, that are as I'm." walking into um, this place in my life. Like, I'm just trying to be comfortable, right? We make those bad decisions, and we justify what our bad decisions are. Can I be honest with you? The comfort that you seek actually doesn't give you the thing that you think you want. The comfort that you go after keeps you stagnant. And everybody knows when you're stagnant, that is full of lots of nasty things. You ever seen a stagnant pond before? Yeah. yeah? Do you actually know that nothing can stay in a stagnant pond? Everything will die in a stagnant pond. Why is that? Because there's nothing running through it. It's, it's dead. The whole thing is dead. It's not even a living, breathing, like, body of water. It's just stagnant. It just stays still. It needs the wind to come at least and push it around a little bit so it doesn't stay stagnant. If it's a stagnant pool, nothing grows there. It'll make you sick. And your comfort is bringing you back to that place of being stagnant, of being still, of no growth. And what's crazy is, God will actually call you into a place where He'll change your purpose. Right? That He gives you this sense of purpose. He gives you this new purpose, and this purpose is His will. Your will for life was your own comfort. It's what you thought you should be doing, right? And in a moment, you go from my will to His will. You go from what I've been doing to what He's called me to do. But when you do that, your comfort is going to create this tension that exists within you. Now, I know some of you are going, Josh, we just had a really good weekend. Why are you doing this to us? right? I love you. <laughs> I love you, and I care for you. And because of that, I want you to know what's coming. There was a band I used to listen to in the 2000s, and they had this song that was called My Own Worst Enemy. You are your own worst enemy. Your comfort will try to put you back in that place that you don't want to be in. So what are we going to do? God's call conflicts with your comfort, and our greatest obstacle to the change that we need within our own life is that comfort. So what do we do? Well, today we're going to look at two guides, two situations, and two actions, okay? Two guides, two situations, and two actions. Um, Our first one is these guys. All right, some of you have just gone, um, oh my gosh, Josh, you have no idea how much I love punk music, right? Like, you are like, I love The Clash. Like, London Calling, like, oh, it's so good. Um, Others of you are like, I have no idea who those people are. Like this is weird. Um, I got corrected in first service. These were the second people that ever smashed a a guitar on stage. First was apparently the Who. Um, So, um, but these were the guys that were like known as chaos on the stage. Some of you are going, Josh, I have no idea who these dudes are. Okay, for you who like weren't born in the 80s, um, you ever played rock band? Yeah? You played rock band? Okay. There's this song called, Should I Stay or Should I Go? Okay? Should I stay or should I go? Um, And should I stay or should I go is really this question of like, well, I don't know the right place to go, right? And so, like, why would this punk rock band be um, a good guide for us to follow Jesus? That doesn't make a lot of sense, because these guys really were— Nuts. Like, they're chaos on the stage, like, don't actually follow the character of the clash, not a good idea, right? But they can give us a little bit of insight into what we should do whenever we start to ask that question, should I stay or should I go? Yeah, there it is, right? Okay, so what you just heard is called an earworm. Um, That will actually sit and play through your mind for the rest of the day. You're welcome. Um, (laughs) But what you start to do is when you actually ask that question, should I stay or should I go, what happens is your comfort has just clashed with something that God has told you to do. If you're trying to decide from two good options, or maybe it's not even two good options, you're trying to decide between two options, your comfort just clashed with the direction that God's leading you in, okay? So our second guide is going to be this guy named Elisha, okay? So we're going to go to 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 19 through 21, um, if you want to turn there right now. Um, Elisha is this guy that in a moment God is going to show up in his life and everything just changed, okay? And for us, I want to look at his example and see what do we do whenever we have that comfort clash, right? What do we do whenever God showed up on the scenes and, like, I have to decide what I'm supposed to do from here, right? Okay. Everybody there? First Kings 19? It'll be up on the screen, too, so. You know what? I'm going to read it from the screen, too, because there we go, okay. Elijah left there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, as he was plowing. Twelve teams of oxen were in front of him, and he was with the twelfth team. Okay, so what's happening here, okay, is that Elisha, Elijah has just come out of this place. God has told Elijah that Elisha, okay, you got that, two guys, Elijah, Elisha, okay. Elijah has just been told by God that Elisha is this faithful person, okay? And you actually need to go and like make him the prophet that comes after you. That's what's happening here, okay? And as he does that, Elijah shows up where Elisha is at and he's plowing the fields, okay? Now, if you've ever either worked out in the field, I haven't, um, I've never been out on a plow. Um, But I've driven past them before um, because, you know, I'm I'm, like—let's be honest, guys. I work better in front of a computer. Like, it is what it is, right? Um, So, like, I'm not a manly man. Like, I can list some things, but that's all I got. Um, But— I do know riding four wheelers. Um, whenever I was a kid, we used to go to the deer lease. And whenever we ride four wheelers at the deer lease, you had to stay back a certain length of distance in order to not get the mud or the dust from the people in front of you, right? Anybody ever been in the deer lease? You know what I'm talking about. Um, that's what we call them in southeast Texas. Y'all come to your ranches out here. It, like, give me a break. We have timber companies. Okay, it is what it is. Um, but you have to stay back a certain length of uh, length so that you don't get dirty. Now imagine you're in Israel and you're plowing, and there's 11 different plows in front of you. Imagine the dust cloud that exists in that place, right? And now imagine that you're the one who's the last in line. Dude's dirty, right? Like, grimy. This is blue-collar work. What is—why is that important? Because Elisha is this—he's in this place of character. He's a man of character. He's doing what God has called him to do right where he's at. You need to build your character. You need to see in a moment, should I stay or should I go? I'm going to have what I call a character clash, right? Just get ready for it. It's coming the whole time. Um, We're having what I call a character clash, and this is what—if you've been here for the last month or so, Cody's been talking about, like, this character that we need to be—it needs to be built in us, that Ephesians is guiding us in how to do that, that we see some bad things that exist within our lives, and we need to change them so that I'm taking off the old and I'm putting on the new, that my character is changing over time, that as I make this decision— Right? Should I stay or should I go? I'm deciding there's some sinful things in my life that I've been pursuing after, and I need to go in a different direction. And that is character. How do you know what God is calling you to do? You need to read His Scripture. You need to dive into it. You need to surround yourself with some godly people who are going to build some character within you so that you can start to know, what does a life look like in my current circumstance? What does a life look like that follows Jesus right where I'm at? For students, what does it look like to follow Jesus at school on Monday? With your family—yeah, I'm sorry, you're off Um, tomorrow—at school on Tuesday? What does it look like for you adults to follow Jesus in your job right where you're at? Right where you're at, what are you doing? That's a character clash. How do I follow Jesus in the midst of what he's placed me in, in the circumstance he's placed me in, right? Okay. Elisha is this man of character right there. And what's really cool about character is you learn what the voice of God sounds like in that moment. That as you hear God speak, that it changes your life. How do you know what God is saying to you? He's already said it. How do you know to change your character? It's in here. Are you engaging with it? Are you reading it? Are you following up on it? Are you, are you gathering with people that will lead you deeper into what Scripture says? And what's really, really amazing, some of you have walked into this room, and you've said, I I just need God to speak into my life. Like if He would just like tell me exactly what I'm supposed to do, everything would be great. Anybody else feel that? Like you're in a hard situation, and you're like, I would just wish God would tell me what to do. The way you know what he sounds like is by having character so that you can do it. Once you build that character within it, within you, you start to hear what his voice sounds like, and that character builds within you, and then all of a sudden you start to hear the voice of God as it speaks to you out in your real life. Right? Anybody else felt this? Like, you read something in the Bible, you prayed about it, you thought about it, you started to change some things about yourself, and then all of a sudden you had this, like, inkling in the back of your mind that you're like, maybe I should go talk to that person about Jesus. Maybe, like, that person has been—like, they asked me to pray for them, but instead of actually, like, doing that later at home by myself on this list, what if I stopped in the middle of H-E-B and prayed for somebody? And in that moment, somebody just went, yeah, that's a comfort clash. (laughs) I don't pray out loud, much less over people, and definitely not in public. God wants you. He wants your character to change. He wants you to change. And then as he does that, that he will start to speak into your life in this amazing way. That you'll start to hear his voice. And then something, like what happened with Elisha might just happen to you. So this is what it says in the next scripture. Elijah walked by Elisha and he threw his mantle over him. That in a moment, the prophet of God walked over, took his jacket off and placed it on this man who had been plowing. And the guy went from a plowman to a prophet. In an instant, Once you start hearing the voice of God, in a moment, God will change the trajectory of your life because you'll say, oh, God just spoke into that, and I need to start to walk towards it. I know that I need to do something here. Now, part of that is that we're going to come into this place of... um, being uncomfortable again. (laughs) And we need to do something here. We need to change something here. So this is what it says in the next verse. It says, Elisha left the oxen, ran to follow Elijah and said, please let me kiss my father and mother and then I will follow you. Go on back, Elijah said, for what have I done to you? In this moment, you see this brief moment with Elisha that there's an immediate response, right? Like he immediately dropped his plow and went and left to go after Elijah, right? And he said, hey, there's this tension there of like, I need to go back and say goodbye to my parents. And you're like, ah, is he going to drop the ball? Like, is he going to actually follow what God has told him to do? Like, he just got told that he is the new prophet for God. Is he going to do that? Or is he going to go back to the comfort of his life with his parents? And I think for us, we have this place that we have a calling clash, right? There it is again. Okay. Um, We have this calling clash that in a moment, God has spoken deeply into us. And when God tells you you're calling, man, I've never been on more on fire more for Jesus than when never. God spoke into my life and told me, this is exactly what you're created to do. That's amazing and a wonderful personal thing that you get to do with God. But there were some things that I had to change that were a part of that process, right? I had to change the way that I thought and acted. For me, this happened um, whenever I was in Virginia Beach. Um, so, I moved to Virginia Beach, and um I was <laughs> not making any money like uh some of you have heard the story before I was making four hundred bucks a month, I was living in somebody else's house, um, and I was doing ministry full time um and then so when you're making $400 a month, you got to find a part-time job, right? Like, um, so I was doing my, like, Paul tent-maker thing. Um, if you don't know, Paul um, made tents on the side as his side gig um, in the New Testament, because what he was trying to do is like, like hey, I don't want to put any burden on the people that I'm around, so I'm going to make tents just to make a little cash on the side so that I can afford to eat, right? So this was kind of my tent-maker moment, and I got to a place where I was working at a law firm, um, and I was the front desk guy. And being the front desk guy, I um, was working about 25 hours a, a week or so, plus another 30 hours at the church, so I was, like, packing the hours in, right? Like, there's, that's a lot to work. Um, and let's be honest, I wasn't working 30 hours a week. Like, I was doing a lot more at the church as well. That's, that's what the $400 was, was for, was 30 hours a week. Um, but what happened was the law firm was growing immensely, and they said, hey, Josh, you're doing a great job. We need to up your hours from 25 hours to 40 hours a week. And in that moment, I, I had to go, "Um, I don't think I can handle that, right? I don't think I can do that. And then the law firm came back and said, um, Josh, just so you know, if you can't do this, We have to let you go. We need someone to work 40 hours a week. And in that moment, it got real uncomfortable. I'm living in somebody else's house, trying to afford to to eat, and they just said, I'm going to get fired if I don't work more hours. And I had to say, all right. Okay, this is what I have to do. And in that moment, I got fired from the law firm. Let go, but fired. And I sat on my girlfriend, now wife's couch, and cried like a little baby. Because I knew God had called me to this, but I didn't know how I was going to be able to pay for anything you go according to your calling or according to what's comfortable? What are you going to do? Parents in the room, I got to be honest. Some of you let yourself be really comfortable. Some of you have let your sports teams tell you that the sports team is more important than Jesus. Jesus. Because when it comes to being involved in the life of Jesus' church, you've decided that sports were more important. Can I be honest? You're telling your kids that every time you make that decision. And I'm having this uncomfortable conversation with you because I love you. Because it's it needs to be said. Don't tell your kids the sports are more important please don't Jesus is the most important thing that will ever exist in your life your kids need to know that students some of you get really excited about the stuff that you're doing but if it causes you to not be engaged with the church if for some reason you say oh my job or my sports activities or my friends make me disengage with what Jesus is doing in my life that all of a sudden I'm not showing up on Wednesday nights anymore, that I don't come on Sundays anymore. Don't do that. God has a calling for you. He has more for you. It may mean an uncomfortable conversation. You might have to go and tell your coach, hey, I need to be released an hour later or an hour earlier. Parents, it might be going to your coach and going, hey, look, sports are important to us, but Jesus is more important. And uh, we can't do games on Sundays. That's a hard conversation. I'm not gonna lie. It's really uncomfortable. But we need to do it. We need to sit in that place and be uncomfortable because God's calling us to it. So what do we do? You've got to kill your comfort. You have to kill your comfort. This is what the scripture says. It says, so he turned back from following him, took the team of oxen and slaughtered them. And with the oxen's wooden yoke and plow, he cooked the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. That there was this place of comfort, that he knew I could go back to that thing, I could do that thing. And in that moment, Elisha said, what God has for me is better than the plan that I have for myself, so I'll kill the oxen so that I don't go back to that thing, right? Was there anything wrong with the oxen? No, they're good oxen. They're doing their job. Is the yoke wrong? No, nothing's wrong with the yoke. Like, he could have sold that, but he knew in that place, if, if I do that, that I'll have the money for this, and therefore I could go buy it again, and I don't want to go back to that place. God has called me to something different. Can I be honest with you? Some of you need to kill your comfort. You need to sit in that place that you say, that's a good thing, but I can't go there anymore. It's okay for your kids to play sports. Hear me say that. It's a great thing. I played sports. It meant a lot in my life. But if it gets you to that place that your kids like sports are more important than Jesus, then you made a wrong decision. Sports aren't bad, but they're not ultimate. Kids, your studies, your classes, your friends, they're good, but they're not ultimate. They're not—is what—that's not going to send you into eternity with Jesus, and actually it's not going to make your life better now. You need Jesus now. Life with Him is better now. Sometimes it means killing some of those comforts that exist in your life. What are they for you? Now, in killing your comfort, (laughs) um, it would be really silly to make that decision in your mind and not actually do anything about it. Can I be honest? A lot of you, we do that, right? I do that. I make a decision on a Sunday, but then I forget about it by lunch, right? that I've made a decision, God's doing some big things in my life, students, that you came to Impact Weekend, that things are changing in your life, that God's going to do something real in this, right? And then you can go home and get your phone this afternoon, and then, like, you forgot things because you started scrolling through TikTok again. Don't do that. Yeah, make a commitment, but actually do the thing, right? See, Elisha, what he did is, in that moment, he killed the oxen, but it'd be weird to kill the oxen and not go follow Elijah, right? But that's what he did. He said, okay, I'm going to kill this comfort that exists within my life, and I'm actually going to go pursue the thing that you have for me, God. That's what the Scripture says, right? That at that point, he left, he followed Elijah, and he served him. Right? That God calls you to something new in a moment, and I need to go pursue that thing. For some of you, you came here today and you're like, Josh, I don't even know Jesus. How can I even know what He sounds like or know where He's calling me to? You need to hear His voice for the first time. You need to have a conversation with him, and you need to let him be your savior. If that's you today, as we go into our prayer here in just a minute, I want you to pray to Jesus and say, Jesus, I I give my life to you. I can't keep doing this comfort thing that keeps killing me. I need to do something else. You're the only thing that's worth following. You need to have that conversation with them. And honestly, if you do, we'll baptize you next service. Because that's what you need. Right? For real. If that's you today, let us know. Some of you have been coming to, some of y'all have been coming here for a while, right? Y'all been showing up. Maybe even Jesus changed your life at one point. Like you had that initial conversation with him, but we just kind of been in this comfortable place for a while, and you never actually got connected in here. That might be your next calling. You want to change some character things about you? You want to do what Cody was talking about, that you take off the old and put on the new? You need to get connected to Jesus through the connections. we got a connections class that's starting right after Easter. You want to be a part of that, because we're going to teach you how to do that, okay? That's going to be six weeks. We're going to dive in into exactly what God has for you, and that's for everybody in here. If you've never been in connections, you need to go be a part of it. It's great. That's not just because i lead it. You need to get connected to Jesus. And then for some of you, you're doing that, right? We, you're coming to worship. Love, you're part of a group. Grow, you're doing your Bible study. Um, Give, you're regularly giving here. You're going, like you're serving all over the place. Like you're doing those things, but you're like, you know, I'm learning to hear the voice of God, but he's telling me to do something more. Don't let your comfort get in the way of what God has for you. Step into that calling. Step into the leadership that he's calling you to. Actually kill the comfort and walk towards him. God, I thank you. For what you're doing in each one of our lives. God, if there is somebody here who doesn't know you, who doesn't follow you, I pray that they would today. I pray that salvation would come to people this morning, and they would proclaim it in baptism in the next service. God, you're calling on our lives is the only thing worth pursuing. God, I pray that as we engage with you, as we connect to you, that we would start to hear your voice. And as we hear your voice, God, it changes us all the more. God, I pray for people to get connected to you here at River Valley. And God, for those of us in this room who are starting to hear your voice, lead us in a specific direction. That we would embrace your calling. That we wouldn't let our comfort or our fear for what you want to do in us keep us from the good that you have for us. God, let us step into the leadership that you have. And trust you on the edge of faith that you're calling us to. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries and thank you for giving your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us you are helping reach people for the gospel of jesus you can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well we'll see you next week